everyone. This is Amanda Borchel Dan. And I'm Jessica Steinberg. Your host for Times Will Tell. A weekly podcast from the Times of Israel. Hey, Times Will Tell listeners, it's Jessica Steinberg. And you hear this noise? That's the sound made by the blenders making paletas, handmade natural popsicles created by Nomi Zisplat, a Tel Aviv dwelling and working chef who started making the Mexican version of these artikim. Artikim is the Hebrew word for the ever-present popsicles available at every corner store that she makes with fresh seasonal fruit and all kinds of combinations. We'll hear more about Nomi's story in a moment, right after a quick break. Do you or your clients have a commercial collection matter that's going nowhere? The Sarachuk Law Firm specializes in the most challenging collection matters, whether it is a single matter or a portfolio of cases. They are based in New York with relationships around the world. Sarachuk's proprietary databases and tried and proven methods have earned them an unmatched reputation for success in getting their clients what they're owed. They work on a contingency fee basis, so they're only compensated when they succeed. The Sarachek Law Team strongly supports Israel. You can reach the Sarachek Team at www.sarachecklawfirm.com. That's S-A-R-A-C-H-E-K lawfirm.com or at 646-403-9775. The proceeding is an attorney advertisement and past results are no guarantee of future performance. Hello, Nomi Zisplat. How are you? Hi. Good. How are you? Good. It is very, very good to have you here. Nomi and I are smiling at each other over our Zoom screens because I first (laughs) met her when she was about to launch Paletas. I think it's about a decade ago, but actually you'll tell me, Nomi, how long ago is it? Yeah, a little more than a decade ago. Yeah, we started, I think, officially March of uh, 2012. Okay. All right. That would make sense. So when she first told me about them, I thought, oh, this is something I'm going to really want to be eating all the time. And at first, I live in Jerusalem. She's in Tel Aviv. I had to import them to Jerusalem. I would import boxes of them because I love the fresh flavors, the coconut, the banana and dates, <laughs> Vietnamese coffee, Malabi mm-hmm. and pistachio, halva. I mean, these are all, these are like the traditional paletas flavors that we've become accustomed to here. Slowly but surely, paletas really went countrywide. Freezes of them in local pizza stores and the local makolet, the corner grocery store, not just in health food stores and higher end spots and not just in Tel Aviv. So before I let Nomi speak, I'm going to say one more thing, and that is there are special seasonal flavors as well, like the sufganeta for Hanukkah. Yes, uh, yes. Right? <laughs> Jelly donut popsicles, which are wait for it, listeners, made from jelly donut flavored milk and filled with homemade fruit jam, sometimes raspberry, sometimes strawberry. Nomi, is that correct? Mostly, mostly strawberry. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, what most people like, but we're thinking of doing more flavors this year. So we'll see. Oh, okay. We can talk more about that. What did your kids think of those, the sufganeta? Nomi has two small kids. Yeah. 
Yeah, they like them. Um, they go for color more than flavor, <laughs> as do most kids. So, like our uh, our June version of the Pride paletas, which has all the colors of the rainbow, is more of their go to. <laughs> But they each have their own favorite surprising flavor as well. So. Right. And since you, it's like you have this ready-made test tasting group in your home, ready to try out any flavor that you decide to create, right? Yeah. I mean, I use their kindergartens, their schools, <laughs> you know, I That's basically bombard people with flavors all, all the time. Yeah. So let's step back a second and tell everyone a little bit about you so that we can dive into Paletas. You are a chef and a musician. Let's just say that because I think that comes up a lot. Uh, a little bit of a frustrated musician at the moment, but you lived for years in New York and you discovered paletas, which are really a, originally a Mexican concept in a bodega in a corner grocery. That's right. Yeah. I had $20 bill in my pocket and I had, I was waiting for a friend. It was a very odd day. I, I came to uh, help her um, get divorced. <laughs> I had Ooh. to come. I had to come and say like, hi, yeah, that's who she is. It was like way, way in the top of, I don't know, Spanish Harlem. And I had an hour to kill. <laughs> Very odd day. Um, and I happened to get to this main street, which was, it looked like a huge parade, a Latin parade. Like it was a Sunday. It was great, like a sunny day during the winter, kind of like surprising kind of day. And there was so much exciting food going on. I looked in my pocket. I had 20 bucks and everything was like a dollar, two dollars, three dollars. I said, okay, I'm using these 20 bucks and I'm going to taste everything. Um, and one of the things I happened upon was this bodega with a huge freezer filled with colorful popsicles, which I had yet to find in New York because I was missing them from for so long, um, you being used to having popsicles in Israel. Popsicles, let's just say, are very, th those popsicles are generally pretty artificial. Right. But they are exciting. As a kid, you've got a lot of flavors and different um, combinations and, and, you know, little candies inside and stuff like that so i was excited just my the kid in me was excited to see all these colorful popsicles and then the chef in me because at the time i was working at a restaurant a french caribbean restaurant in brooklyn um i saw these flavors that were just like what that's a popsicle like mango with chili and like um what was it goat's milk uh, and all this you know just really interesting things that i just decided to start tasting Amazing. Um, and I, it blew my mind and I immediately brought it the next day to my chef at the Brooklyn restaurant and said, we have to do something with this, um, for our, for our menu because yeah, we had dessert. really, yeah, we had really heavy desserts and on hot days, nobody really wanted to order dessert. And so that's how I started playing around with the idea. Mm. But then you went to Mexico, correct? Yeah. And so at this whole time, I was always thinking about coming back to Israel. I had studied um, food as much as I could till my money ran out and then I was working at restaurants. And I knew I wanted to start something. I wanted, I was always sort of entrepreneur-y. Even as a kid, I always tried new ideas. And I thought I'd, you know, eventually maybe open a cafe or a restaurant. But, you know, me being also a little bit more feet on the ground, I thought maybe I'd try something smaller and a little more safe before I went into the big 
aspects of business. And yes, which are tough, which you've done, of course, but we'll get into that in a second. You do have a business. Yeah, but, in, you know, I thought I'd just, you know, put my feet a little, you know, my toes in the water kind of thing and get a, a sense of the business. And the more I thought about the idea of a simple popsicle for Israel, the more I thought it was a good idea and that it could be potential for kids, for adults, for teenagers. Like there's so many ways to go with it, also healthy, but also fun. And the niche of nature and natural um, food was getting bigger and bigger. It wouldn't be a bad thing to try. And, and then I would, you know, do the full thing. I would go to Mexico, get the actual real like schwung and, and atmosphere Concept. of how a paleta right. is made. And so that's what I did for about a month and a half. I went from place to place and I spoke to everyone I could. A lot of people were very happy to show me. Some were less happy to show me. I went around the States a little bit into paletas um, businesses that existed in areas that had a lot of Mexicans. Um, and I basically mostly got just, you know, the feel of it because it's not rocket science. It's not something super, super hard. It's more of the, um, the idea and, and concept. So without giving away your trade secrets, what are some of the things that really, I mean, there's, of course, the very fresh fruit flavors. There's the combinations. Is there any, is there something that I'm not hitting upon that really is what marks a paleta? Are there certain concepts that you need to have in a paleta, certain kinds of ingredients? Well, yeah, I mean, I think in Mexico, the classic um, is is to divide the, all the paletas into two groups. There's the paletas de agua, which is the water-based or fruit-based, we call them, and the paleta de crema, which is cream-based. So all the like more ice creamy, mefanec, um, like the the fun ones. <laughs> right, the treat, the treat ones. The treats, yeah. And every area in Mexico has different ones, and and of course, the base of the paleteria. Just like I, I sort of explain it to people, just like a falafelia in Israel, is that it's, you know, father to son or mother to daughter, mostly men at that point that were working in the paletas business. And they each have their own style and the fruit that they like. But it's basically whatever's in the market, that's what goes into the paletas. Whatever's in season. Yeah, so... But there, it also isn't, it wasn't a concept of, um, of educating people for, you know, natural food. It was what existed then. And so there, they would also add food coloring. Ah. So like, you know, there would be uh, a safta, like, you know, a, a nona, like uh, squeezing tiny little limes, like millions oh of God. tiny little limes into, wow. a, into a bucket for hours. And then the guy would come and put in two tablespoons of green food coloring. And I'd be like, no, why? Why? Why, why would you he do said, that? He said, come on, lime is green. Green. <laughs> you know? So right. I, I learned, you know, different things that they were doing also just naturally. And it was really sweet. And, and it was really homemade and a family business, small family businesses. But then you came back here... And then I came back and I kept that same concept of dividing them into fruity and creamy. Um, but using, at the beginning, it was very local, very seasonal and very posh, I would say. Like I thought I was coming from the chef in Brooklyn. Um, and, you know, so I wasn't, I wouldn't dare have just a strawberry popsicle. It was strawberry with balsamic vinegar. Yes, yes, um, yes. Or, you know, um, uh, watermelon with basil, 
Uh, and a lot of stranger flavors, but working <laughs> the, um, the farmer's markets at the beginning, I sensed what the audience, what people wanted and what got them excited. And I basically understood that most people want to buy a popsicle from a place, from a cart that has strawberry with balsamic vinegar, but they won't choose that one, right? They'll, they'll pick the regular strawberry. Yeah, or, or, you know, something that sounds easier on the palate, like, I don't know, um, uh, pears and wine. That sounds easier, right? So they'd go for something a little, you know, interesting, but safe. Yes. No, I remember when I when when I would purchase them and my family would they'd be like exactly strawberries and balsamic vinegar forget about it. Do you yeah, have something yeah. a little more normal, a little more yes. straightforward? <laughs> yeah. So it took a while, um, and also in the end, you see when most of your you know when you have a lot of mothers buying for kids, there are certain flavors you need to have all, all the time. year. Yeah. So then the seasonal sort of, you know, okay, so you have your special seasonal flavors, but you have your basics that are all year round. So we also freeze our fruit so that we have fruit all year round. We have it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of like tomatoes and cucumbers. It's like you have Israelis have to have their tomatoes and cucumbers, even if they're only getting kale for six weeks of the year or something like that. So you've touched on something that I wanted to ask you about, which is that Israelis, of course, have for a long time, I'm going to say, had this aversion to cold things during the winter months, right? Mm -hmm. Like this was a country where you could not find popsicles or ice cream during the winter, which is why people would buy crembos. Right. Listeners who are not familiar with those, those are the chocolate-covered marshmallows with a cookie bottom. Now there's all these like chef artisanal versions of them. Maybe there is going to be a paletas version of it, or maybe there has been, I don't know. But... (sighs) What's been happening with paletas in the winter over the last, you know, dozen years that you've been in business? Yeah. So the first few years, I just took off. (laughs) The first few years, it was just like, you know what? December, January, I'm in India or whatever. Hilarious. That's great. Now we have, uh, you know, a factory and workers and we can't just take off. But we do. uh, We do all take our yearly vacation in January, first of all. But um, and sales do go down and we, you know, do a lot of more research and preparation for the for the next summer. Um, But we do still sell a lot of the creamy ones because ice cream is not the same as, you know, a strawberry popsicle. Um, And we go more wild with like there were there were winters where we had um, like sort of dipping. We we do like um Uh, fondue kind of popsicles where we'd give uh, a set with, you know, dipping sauces and toppings. And we do our tiramisu in the winter, which we don't have time to do in the summer because it's so time consuming and also very sensitive to be shipping around. There's things you can do in the winter that you can't in the summer, especially with very soft, you know, sensitive ingredients and more time to have fun. So our people who are excited about paletas can still enjoy them also in the winter. Right. And and people, I think, have also learned that you can have something cold in the winter and it's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, now that in general, people have, you know, cooling systems and heating systems, they can sit in their homes and enjoy whatever food all year round. We're going to take a quick break. When we're back, Nomi Zisplat of Paletas will tell us a little bit more about what it's like to be an unexpected entrepreneur and what it means for her in her workday and life. 
I got married this Monday in the middle of a war. You are not a soldier anymore. You are 50 years old. What is the matter with you? It's like a couple of kilometers from here. Like my friend has a 4x4. Let's just go cut across the fields and go get him. Israel Stories Wartime Diaries. Voices that try to capture slivers of life right now. And he told me, take with you a sleeping bag and a tent <laughs> and just go. I texted him on, like after I was told that he was killed. From their eyes, I was a traitor. Everybody needs their like blankie, their teddy bear, something to make them feel safe. I'm just another grandfather looking after his grandchild while his son is off at war. These children of Hamas now will be the killer of my children. I desperately wanted to talk about sex during my eulogy for Ido. Everyone has to choose to be optimistic because we don't have room for pessimism. Check out Israel Story wherever you get your podcasts. Shalom, dear listeners. This is Daniil Hartman. And I'm Yossi Klein Halevi. Together we host the podcast For Heaven's Sake from the Shalom Hartman Institute. These have been some of the most challenging days for me personally, for Israel, and for the Jewish people. And one of the ways in which I've gotten through this is that I've found solace and meaning through discussions with my dear friend and study partner, Daniil Hartman. And I hope that the Times of Israel listeners will join us as we continue to tackle the pressing questions facing the Jewish people here at For Heaven's Sake, which has become the number one Judaism podcast. Well, Daniil, I'd also like to recommend the Identity Crisis podcast hosted by our colleague and friend Yehuda Kurtzer. It's a series of fantastic conversations with leading figures in Jewish life, thought, and culture. You know, for decades, the Hartman Institute has been a preeminent destination for Jewish ideas and learning. Now you can access Hartman Ideas on these chart-topping podcasts at shalomhartman.org forward slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We are privileged to help guide you through these challenging and even unsettling times. You are from parents who came from a colder climate. Your parents are from Vancouver originally, and yeah. uh, which might be why also you didn't have as much of an issue with cold things in the winter. But I'm also going to touch on the fact that it's sort of interesting. So I, I met you because of we had a mutual friend, and you were from the French Hill neighborhood of Jerusalem. You grew up there, which is a neighborhood that has this uh, enclave, this community of English speakers, people who came from English-speaking countries. And uh, it's funny, when I was thinking about it, it's a little bit of an incubator for entrepreneurs, the community that you came from, of parents who came from English-speaking countries. There's I'm going to mention a famous one, Sha'anan Street of mm-hmm. Hadag Nachash. She's a well-known rapper. We've had him here at the Times Will Tell. Uh, I'm thinking of a pair of brothers, Ellie and Carmi Wortman. One created tech companies. The other is a concert promoter. There's a few others. And of course, there is you. There is Nomi Zisplat, the creator of Haletas, <laughs> which is a pretty well-known brand in Israel. And I'm wondering, you said you you were wanted to get your feet wet with this small company, but... Now you've got this factory and this company. Tell us a little bit about the size of it. Um, well, it started out, you know, from my small apartment in Tel Aviv, moving to a small um, factory down the street, actually from where we currently are, um, that carried us for about four years uh, until it was too too small already. And the, you know, the ministry of um, the, the guy from the health industry was like, you know what? 
you need to expand. This is too small. I can't do this anymore. And so we just moved. We kept, we, we really liked the street we're on in Tel Aviv. It started out as a small, you know, small business of mine with my friends. We were all coming on our bicycles from home. And it wasn't like we didn't plan for this to be a, a huge factory. Otherwise, we would have started in advance out of the city. <laughs> But we slowly, slowly took over little pieces of the street in southern Tel Aviv where we are now. Like, so our office is in one building and then the, the, we have a storage area across the street. And then the factory is now two buildings down from where we were. It's still not huge. This is not a huge company. It's really a small, like 150 meter factory, which is big enough for us with a small, you know, Uh, freezer room and it's still we we do our own shipping and our own marketing it's all like one stop shop like we don't pull from any other independent providers so it's a lot of work and it's and and on in the summer it's a lot of people and in the winter it's less so we just go up and down as uh, needed um, like in the heat of the summer we've got three drivers that ship all over the country and in the factory itself we've got you know seven workers full-time it's it's pretty crazy but it it really varies um and we make also it depends on the day and on sure, the time and the of month, year but we can right. yeah um but we can manage to make you know a couple you know even almost a hundred thousand paletas a month on a on a very very busy month That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of paletas. Yeah. It's a lot of paletas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot to take an idea that you had at a street fair in New York and turn it into this profitable working venture. Is it what you anticipated? It's pretty wild. At the beginning, I was just going, you know, I was just really working hard and trying to make it work and explaining it a lot and doing a lot of, you know, PR and marketing for this small little idea. Um, the original, um, passion of mine was, is, is, and still, uh, remains the flavors and the creation. And so eventually, you know, and I listened to it, I listened to what I, I was sort of in the zone at the time and I was really concentrated and I felt that whatever the paletas wanted to do is where I went with them, you know, not only flavor wise, but also idea wise and, and progressing into the into the company that it became. Um, eventually, you know, just like any business, and I speak to a lot of people in the food business, but also in general, a business is a business and you start concentrating on the things that you don't want to really deal with, you know, from workers to taxes to, you know, kosher, the whole, like everything is down to paperwork and hard, you know, hard work. And doesn't matter if you're selling a really happy popsicle or a really boring, um, you know, I don't know, some kind a of machine. SIM card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a SIM card or a washing machine. It's still a business. And in Israel, business is hard. It really is. And we're at the point right now where we have to grow even more. Mm -hmm. um, because when you're a small business and you're You're very focused and you're doing a lot of people, like very few people are doing a lot of things. It's somehow manageable. When you're a medium-sized business, it's very hard. Um, the, you know, the, the work versus profit versus uh, 
in the end of the bottom line at the end of the year is is difficult and so on one hand it's like crazy that people know this and that I go places all over the country and and people actually know what paletas is I'm still surprised that people know what paletas and I'm really happy that I've created something that that does make people happy and that I think is a good product I really believe in the product I think it's the best popsicle that exists at the moment in the market there are um, several competitors that have come into the market in the last few years and all we can do is try to make sure we're better you know because there's people there's different ideas there's there's all sorts of options um, and so it makes us um, stay you know as as good as we can we also haven't raised prices in 10 years which is pretty crazy um, and people are surprised by it like we were just at Indi Negev, which is a big festival, right? A music festival that I started selling at nine years ago, and there's crowds that you know still know us from then, and you know we sell more and more and more. And people said, you know, it's the same price I paid nine years ago, <laughs> right. you know. But on the other hand, there's so much competition, and you know, not only in the natural popsicle business, but in all the popsicles and ice creams and everything that we can't really afford. To raise prices, we only have to just do better in buying and, you know, in our bulk and in our work and, and making more popsicles, at, more efficient. But I'm happy to, you know, to be able to tell people that we're making the best popsicle at the same price still. And I want to switch gears a little bit and talk, go back to a little bit of where you came from and your parents coming from Vancouver. Um from Canada, being part of this, what we call in Israel, the Anglo community or growing up in it. You're certainly not in that now. You're living a very different life, right? For sure. But I noticed something about a month ago, three weeks ago, you posted a picture on social media about doing Halloween with your kids and something like 500 families were participating in Halloween. Yeah. And I was thinking about it because we're heading towards Thanksgiving this week and when when this podcast airs, and I know you're Canadian, so Thanksgiving isn't necessarily what you do, (laughs) but given that you're, you know, you're this Israeli with this Israeli company and living this Tel Aviv life, but, and and marking Halloween, was curious to hear a little bit about it, even though we're a few weeks after. When did you start participating in it? It's crazy. Tel Aviv has become totally, uh, I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's the amount of people that are moving to Berlin and to the States and coming back from New York. I mean, I have just in the gun of my, of my younger son, we have, I don't know, four or five couples that have returned from New York, you know, just like I did 10 years ago. So they are now returning with kids. There's really a feeling of, um, you know, everyone knows everything and the kids are really excited. And now with uh, all the internet and everything, the, there's there's so much excitement around these holidays that are, you know, maybe us Jewish people consider them Christian. But for the kids here, it's just really cool, fun, you know, opportunity to American dress up. or right. yeah, um, like my kids are all excited about Christmas already. <laughs> I don't know. We're not going to do anything, but the fact that they know about it from TV and, and everything, uh, it's become just a fun thing to do. And I think Halloween, I mean, it's just another Purim. 
and everyone uh, in Tel Aviv last year it started a little bit and now this year it was it just blew up there's these whatsapp groups that you can connect to and you add your home to it and basically we had 500 homes on a virtual map that you could click on and see some of them would even say if they're gluten free or if wow. they're not too scary for kids that are like sensitive like there was all these details about the houses and what you could find there crazy yeah. Did you hand out paletas? <laughs> I didn't hand out. You know, I, for years, I tried to push my pumpkin paleta on the Israelis, <laughs> and it wasn't a very big success. Israelis do not do pumpkin. They're like, that's what I eat on couscous. Why should I eat a pumpkin on a, so funny. On a yeah. stick? So, yeah, we you know we handed out gummy eyes. Yeah, that's we yeah. well, that's, that's kind of creepy <laughs> and appropriate for, for, for Halloween in Tel Aviv or anywhere, really, I would imagine. Okay, so as we finish this up, any f- special flavors that you're working on that we should know about for the coming months, holiday-related, that we can perhaps dream about? Well, Hanukkah is coming up, so hopefully we're going to do Sufganietas again this year. Excellent. Um, yeah. Um, and that's actually, you know, a New York based idea. That's, I took that inspiration from Milk Bar in New York, yes, who does, that's she right. does the cornflake milk. So I was like, okay, if cornflake can be a milk, then so can a souvenir. Actually, we're, we're, we're open to ideas of fillings if anyone wants to, you know, add a request other than dulce de leche, which we hear a lot. Yeah, and uh, and a lot of different. We're working on toppings and and um, and different dips and stuff like that, and different sizes. We're working on a on a mini tiny little paletas uh, box for supermarkets soon. Mm. Um, so we'll see when that comes out. Okay, we will wait for that. By the way, here here's my idea: a natural crembo paletas. Hmm. I mean, crembos, I don't love them personally. They're very artificial tasting, but I don't know. Maybe there's something there for the kind of person who would like a crembo in a natural version mm-hmm. that is popsicle related. You can just say, Jessica, forget about it. No, yeah, well, you know, it needs to have a cookie inside. We'll, we'll think about it. We'll okay. definitely think about it. All right. It's just my, <laughs> just, just the thought I'm having. No, Mrs. Platt of Paletas, it has been <laughs> lovely chatting with you. We thank you for being on The Times Will Tell. It's great as always. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Nomi Zisplat of Paletas for being with us today. Have a good listen, and we'll be back tomorrow with another daily briefing. Be well. Thanks so much for listening to Times Will Tell from the Times of Israel, and thanks to our producer, Gilad Brownstein. Please subscribe wherever you find your podcast and check out our daily briefing news show every Sunday through Thursday. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. Until next week. Shalom. Shalom.